Guten Tag, and welcome to another quality content module freshly ground by Small Beans, where ideas are always percolating. If you enjoy this pod, please consider joining our community over at patreon.com slash smallbeans, where only three bucks a month gets you access to double the content, including Patreon-exclusive series like Spielboys and Star Trek The Next Futurama, plus bonus episodes of your SB favorites. Much love, and enjoy the thing. You're about to hear the recorded audio diaries of Michael Swain, Adam Ganser, and Abe Epperson, transmitted to you from another dimension through the wonder of podcast technology. Lost in the multiverse, they have to dig into a different piece of multiversal fiction each episode in the hopes of finally discovering a way back to their reality. How do they know this isn't their reality? Because one of them is being a real asshole. Will our heroes ever make it home, or will they inadvertently explore our obsession with multiverses, alternate timelines, and parallel worlds, and tie it all into a conversation about postmodern art, pop culture, and what it means to be a human right now? This is Escape from the Multicurse. It's been a really long time since I heard this amount of house music. As in, like, I haven't oh. been at a dance club for, like, I don't know, 15 years. And it was like, oh, here we go. I feel like for the first time in 20 years, techno is alive. It really is. It really is. That the, Those bassy little curbs on them, I loved it so much. Uh, loved it. Hi, everyone. Hi, Adam. Hey, Abe. Uh, hey, is Michael here? Yo, Jack be nimble, Jack be quick, Jack jump over my dick. Oh, <laughs> oh no. it's your guy. Wait, is oh. your name Jack? Yeah. <laughs> are you Michael? How weird are you now? <laughs> my name is still Michael, but I'm on a bicycle. Oh, the bicycle's my dick. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, riding his dick into this oh, universe, boy. which already is very punny. Uh, welcome to Escape from the Multicurse. I'm Adam Ganser. That's Abe Epperson. Yeah. And with us is uh, Andrew Michael Dice Michael Dice Swain. <laughs> My rhymes are not lame. I can say lame because it's the 90s. Oh. Zing. <laughs> it's going to be. And we're here. Escaping we're doing it. From the Multicurse. Woo. Woo. Woo! Woo! And we uh, we stopped at a very interesting uh, port in this uh, comedy storm, and mm. that port is the movie Run Lola Run, uh, a fantastic film that I had not seen since uh, 1999 when it came out. Mm. Did you see this in the theater, Abe? I did not. Okay. What about you, Michael? Did you see it in the theater? I saw Ro- Lola Run. My cock's like a gun. It shoots. Oh, P. Great. Great. So we know he's into German experimental <laughs> stuff. Um, we do know that. Yeah, yeah. We, we know that he's uh, well-watched, uh, whatever else he is. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I guess it's time for us to put this bad boy on the multi-map and decide, uh, first of all, what we how this movie relates to the multiverse and also maybe give a brief summary for those of us who've never seen it. So if you've never seen the 1999 movie Run, Lola, Run, it's a German independent film. Uh, it was made for, I think, a budget of about a million dollars, and uh, it kind of crossed over and became a bit of a cultural hit over here. It's been parodied even on shows like Family Guy, I want to say, and some others. Like, you know, it became sort of a yeah 
a well-known film and uh, launched the career of, I believe it's Franca Potente, who's later on in um, the uh, Bourne series with Matt mm. Damon. Um, and it follows a young woman whose boyfriend is has made a mistake, uh, which meant that he's lost 100,000 marks uh, that he needs to give to his drug lord, I want to say, like some guy he's working for in small time <clears throat> yeah. crime. Yeah. And she has 20 minutes to fix this problem. And uh, the movie is sort of Groundhog Day-esque in that they do three different versions of what she does in response to his frantic phone call that kicks off the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty big, pretty good summary of it. Abe, do you want to add anything? Uh, yeah, it came out in 1998, the same Eight. year as sli- mm. Sliding Doors. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it feels very America. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's right. There are a few movies around this time that are touching the multiverse in the way this is. Uh, Abe, do you want to put your put your hot takes down first in the multi map? Yeah, my so the so as per our conversation that we've had in these episodes, yeah, uh, we always kind of talk about what makes something a good timeline. And mm-hmm. this is like so early days for like it's by no stretch of the imagination the first parallel reality film like the whole concept is that she wakes up three di- like two times in the movie she, there's three scenarios and the third one is like the one that is the good one right and I just find that that is kind of propaganda the way we oh. write stories is uh like a propaganda thing. Uh, and I know that it's, this movies are just supposed to be fun. Well, let's just have fun, Abe. But, um, I kind of want to talk about why, like, what are the choices we make in movies that say this is a good timeline versus the other ones? Because they're opening up a huge can of worms here. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That's a controversial take because it's the opposite uh-huh. of how I felt about it. I'm, I'm the bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> You always are. Uh, Michael Dice Swain, is it cool if I go next, or did you want to spin in here? Absolutely, my friend. I'm excited to hear your opinion. My (laughs) cock is like the minions. It it talks in gibberish, but only I can understand it. Yeah, and it's one-eyed. And it likes bananas. (laughs) It's got an affinity. Oh, LMNO. I'm really enjoying this version of Michael. Uh, Okay. I hate it so much. Briefly... Briefly, uh, I think there's several readings that can be done of Run, Lola, Run. I think fundamentally that it this is a multiverse that's exploring uh, the unintended effects of causality, like how it's the unintended things that happen mm-hmm. that actually shape your life more than your choices. Um, so there's a kind of a determinism at work here, which is interesting because in the context of it being a story being told by a storyteller, it's either self-refuting or sort of an argument for uh, the need for supernatural intervention. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can get into that a little bit more as we go on, which might be why you think it's propaganda. It's also a fantastic film to the, for the exploration of rejecting patriarchal norms and uh, for dealing with gun violence in a morally responsible way. Um, and I will leave my takes at that as we come back to them later on. All right. Yeah. Michael Dice Swaim. 
What about you, baby? Personally, I think Abe was basically correct. He was so right, it made me erect. Oh, (laughs) the movie uses the multiverse to explore choices and connection. Gave me a previously alluded to erection. It kind of is like similar in structure to the butterfly effect. I'm erect. (laughs) So I love the constant (laughs) status updates. I love knowing exactly what his penis is doing. We willy winky my dicks like a slinky. It gets around. (laughs) Can you describe your outfit right now, Michael Dice Swim? Mostly leather and chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My cock's like your brains. It unspools to be many miles long. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. I have a very long, a long brain. I appreciate that uh, compliment. I guess. Well, Abe. (laughs) Oh, did you want to ask Dice a question? Please, please, Abe. No, no. I'm just calling him the Dice Man. The Dice. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Well, I think that's a a great starting point for all of us. So let's jump into our next segment, verses on verses, Mm -hmm. and uh, talk a little bit about both what we observed in the film and just some fun stuff in the film. Uh, in general, uh, <laughs> did you want to kick us off, Abe? Yeah, yeah, let's fucking go. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just uh, first thing, yeah, that uh, the the beginning of the movie it starts with some quotes about like the cyclic nature of things. Yeah, it does. Like, I'm not gonna quote them because I don't care. The T. S. Eliot quote in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Close after just, like, the games, before the game by S. Herberger. That rhymes with fur burger. <laughs> God damn it. Got my notes here. Oh. You wrote that you down on your notes? That's great <laughs> note taking. Thank you. <laughs> then we get like just a shot of weird ass clock. It's like yeah, a weird clock. Weird yeah, clock. Weird demon we, clock. Yeah, the first Crap. image is a monster clock. Reminded me of my monster cock. Yep. Thank then you. Then we get a crowd of people. Hey. And the. And then there's a voiceover, a man talking about humans are mysterious and like full of questions and it makes asking questions almost useless. It's just leads to more questions. Mm -hmm. And so there's a cyclic nature to humanity itself in trying to know itself. And then a police officer says, there's some facts actually though, like balls around. (laughs) You got anything for me? (laughs) (laughs) No, I do not. No way. That brought nothing to my brain. My audio dropped out for a second. I had to tend to my erection. Okay, Okay, great. And then he says, like, a soccer game is 90 minutes or whatever. That's a fact. And then he kicks the ball, and we get the title shot, which spells out the words uh, with the extras, which is a very cool shot. Uh, And... Then we get an entry sequence, uh, animated Lola running it, it, it down a spiral. The whole point is everything is spirals. What are they saying here? Yeah, right? I think that's right. I, I was kind of curious. So one thing that like stands out about the film as I watched it now uh, in the in the glorious light of the multiverse cosmos is uh, there's a lot of different s- cinematic styles at play in this film, which you don't see that often. And they don't always feel like they're in the same movie is that a fair would you say that's fair abe yeah i mean it's techno baby it doesn't care yeah yeah, yeah right it doesn't care yeah yeah like for i thought there was a little bit of like uh some Jano love going on here like i feel like the filmmaker and, it, and i believe this might have been one of their first films like definitely liked the work of Jano and sort of mm-hmm. was doing some of the work 
there to like make the color saturation pop and select moments and also just the weird crafted demon clock and stuff felt very right, much yeah. out of that why world. is it demon yeah why yeah, yeah no. why is it a demon I, I i was like really interested in that as a <clears throat> beginning metaphor and they kept doing it obviously she kept into because time is a bitch <laughs> so do you think that like thank it. you michael <laughs> I swing. Starting to itch. Ditch. Is my cock's like a ditch? Ladies dig it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but my point is. Gonna get canceled. Whoa. It, it reminded yeah. me in a good way of Scott Pilgrim and Guy Ritchie. Oh, yeah. But so much okay, earlier yeah. that I've lost the rhyme. But you gotta respect it. How much harder it was to do at this time. My cock is sublime. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, 98. There's not. There's no CG and stuff like that. In Not fact, really. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, there was, uh, they were talking about like one of the things that they had to do that was like tough to do was the, um, uh, the roulette wheel shot at the, uh, at the end. Ah. They like, they had to fi- build a little thing for it or, uh, and use a snorkeling camera to put it in the, in, in like the apparatus that they built or the fact that they, um, at one point they like zoom in on the eyes of uh, Lola uh, to kind of like when she's like turning, going back in time or repeating a loop. And it's like, if we were to do it right now, if we were to make this film in 2023, we'd have all the CG and we go into like the fractal space of her eye and stuff like that. But it's so clear that this movie, they can't. So one of the interesting things about it is so like, all these movies where they Groundhog Day things or they butterfly effect things, because I feel like mm-hmm. the, this is like right between those two ideas, they always hinge around key choices that the protagonist makes. Um, and in this movie, it really feels like uh, there's only one choice that's being made that actually distinguishes uh, one run of this 20 minute segment from another. And that choice is how she encounters the neighbor and his dog down the staircase when she begins her run. And that's that piece of it is animated. Like that's like one of the only consistently animated pieces of this film. And I wonder if it's a way of the filmmaker sort of undermining the key choice that sort of differentiates one timeline from another, like even that is not important because none of it can be planned in a way that is meaningful. Like she can't meaningfully change. Although at two different times she reacts differently to her dad cheating. But after that's after the first variable, it's something people are needing. Go ahead, please. Oh, (laughs) no, no, you're welcome. Just had to wrap up the bit there. Oh, appreciate that. I like, I like the like apologetic. Oh, 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 uh, yeah, no, I get, yeah, he's got a point. Uh, he's got a point. Uh, I also think that. There's something about this movie. It wants to talk about infinity. It's not just the cyclic shit I said, but it's like it really wants us to think about the concept that we're just particles flying around and randomly hitting each other. So there's so much work putting on like all these small changes prompt big behaviors or small behaviors and responses that be uh, that bear like future collisions Uh, because we like typically when Lola will like 
run into someone and then we'll get snapshots of like this is how their life presumably went after that. Yeah, uh, that's and right. it sometimes changes even though it's just like she didn't bump into them or she did or it's something actually like her that. least important choices that we yeah. extrapolate on <clears throat> into just, the future. It affects other people, right? Uh, and it's not urgent and in the twenty minutes that matter for the movie. So. The filmmakers want us to think about the fabric of reality and go, that's so fickle or delicate, and one push in it, one direction at the right time could alter everything. So I don't think that the filmmakers are saying, like, what happens in the animated sequence is necessarily, like, governing anything. It's I just agree. another one of those. Yes, I agree with um, that. It's just that if you're going to get really hard science about what is different between one timeline and another... It's mm -hmm. the first point of divergence, right? And that first is. point is the animated part of the film. Uh, and I'm, I'm guessing that decision was probably made because it was cheaper. Like that's that's my I don't I don't necessarily think it's this big artistic thing. But yeah. it could be. It could be. Then what do you think is the meaning of those photo montages? Uh, this this movie has a happy ending, and so do my massages. Oh, <laughs> right. But my point is that we see them multiple times, and their fates change for no reason. Maybe my cock is like the seasons, but please, I actually want to hear your opinion on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I don't disagree with what Abe said. I, I think visually the director has set up this idea that people are all sort of bumping into each other in this chaotic, random way, and it spirals out into completely unpredictable outcomes. That is the guiding principle of the film. The problem is that story... So sorry, Les. Are we no, supposed no. to believe that Lola bumping them in a slightly different way made them win the lottery instead of yeah. die of cancer? Isn't that, isn't that what they're saying? It seems My like cock's the weakest saying. link. Final answer. Oh, Final answer. That's, <laughs> that's a... That's an out of time reference. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> your cock's on a game show. Oh, <laughs> it started in the early 2000s. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, in this, maybe I have a, uh, an alternate history. I wonder who's the asshole maybe this it was... time. It's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> now you're turning into a fucking riddler. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, it's my, pr I keep calling it out, so it's yeah, really yeah. my fault. Sure, uh, the, pr but you're. Yeah, also the problem with this is that if, like, all the moments kind of matter in the end, like, they all have big adjustments down the line. Yes. And splicing out of time, the stories be... If you're, if you're making a movie and it's a cool hour and 15 minutes, because it's an experimental... This is the shortest budget, film ever. It's yeah, it's great. very short. It's I great. love it. Yeah, it really uh, is. You splicing in and out of time and stories become like kind of the, Oh, look at that story over there. And and that guy became a bird or some bullshit. Uh, it deludes the potency of the main arc to me. Like this is just opinion. Like hmm. when we cut to how a random woman dies because she touched Lola, uh, like we don't really know why we just know how much weight to apply. Like we don't know how much, yeah, we don't know how much weight to apply to that moment. Does right. that matter? Does she matter to us? It's I, all noise. That's the that is what is at issue in this film, right? And that's where you know now I'm going to sound exactly like my screenwriting professor at USC. Uh, the sort of Aristotle's poetics of it all is in a bit of an antithetical place to what the film is actually saying by its premise. 
because mm-hmm. that's why we get this third act wrap up where everything converges in a miraculous way to give them the best possible ending one could imagine. And that of course feels a little sappy in 2023, but I think it's also the demand that we have of our story to give us a meaningful statement about this chaotic premise. That's what story is, is organizing the chaos. And that's problematic for the film's worldview in some ways. Right. Because I think if we want to talk about this as an experimental film, like that's its experiment. And like, for example, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once did this well by anchoring us in one timeline, the timeline. All other timelines are a joke, a bit, a meditation on something, but we're rooting for one version this movie is so em- embraces the chaos and says that everyone's like, it's truly a multiverse in the sense that, like, or it's like truly infinite. Um, this movie just says at the end, boom, this is the right one. This is the one that gives this you dramatic satisfaction. Yeah. But we have no clue what the rules are. And there's so much randomness that it's almost like, but also a bunch of shitty stuff happened in this timeline. Like that dude in the ambulance died. You no, know? he didn't die. She saved him and he in a very Sistine really? Chapel-esque uh, grasping the hands oh, situation. I didn't read that that was I didn't read that as a uh, he lives at the end of that. His heart his heartbeat stabilized. Also, ambulances just give rides to people. No, so here's the thing that was not clear. That was the guy, that was the bank guard. That's who that was. And it was like, why did he have a heart attack? Right. You know, that's weird. That wasn't true. And that wasn't like, yeah. So that's also a flaw. I don't know if it's a flaw as much as it's, um, it's, it, well, yeah, I guess it's a flaw if you want to feel like everything feels motivated. I don't think it's a flaw. It's more like aesthetic engagement, like Scott Pilgrim. Uh, my dick shocking, like the experiment named after Milgram. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, okay. But do you That's see my point? Like you wouldn't ask these questions of like spaced. That's a show uh, no one knows. Yeah. Like my cock's face. You so you wouldn't ask. You wouldn't ask for everything to be sort of like strung together in a meaningful way and spaced. You think? I disagree. I think space makes it very clear to you. That these are bits and they're just having fun. This movie's not doing bits. It's trying to make sentiment or build meaning out of these moments. Absolutely it is. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely doing that. To wit, it actually gives our, our, our protagonist one superpower. And that superpower is her scream. It's pretty dope. Um, which, by the way, not my favorite of and the superpowers. And you're saying that's not a funny world-breaking bit? I don't I, think it's that's funny. Not funny. Cock's getting yeah, saggy it. it's like a tit. Uh, <laughs> I really feel that like the photo montage and everything is just fun. Like I don't ask uh, this of, I don't hold this bar to like lock stock barrels and a smoking gun. Oh, <laughs> I think there are moments in like Lockstock, for example, that you're supposed to say, and that like ended well, or that didn't. This movie is kind of doing a thing where it's saying like nothing really. Me- it's kind of nihilistic. Nothing means anything uh, up to a point of just is she gonna get her money? Is Manny gonna her boyfriend gonna live? 
these are the random things that we've attributed to success, but like so much other stuff happens that's just incidental. Well, to return to the quotes at the beginning of the film, I think that the film is sort of imposing this idea of self-discovery through this through the repeats. Like for instance, like if you want to get really into the mechanism of it all, Every time that one of the two characters dies, like our leads dies, they go to this bedroom scene that's in sort of an ethery spot. Like you don't know where they are. It's all yeah. bathed in red. And they have this conversation about the first time about sort of, do you love me? And she being a bit ambivalent about that conversation. So she's trying to figure out if she loves him. That's the first one. The second one is him asking, do you love me? Right. And so, and her saying, well, like, uh, of course I do. And him being like, yeah, but you'd replace me if I died and her saying, but you aren't dead yet. And I, th I feel like what's happening there is they're both coming to this slow understanding of their situation, like who they are together through these repeated random encounters, which co correlates to the T.S. Eliot quote at top, which is you get back to the beginning and you understand the beginning now. I think that's what, is that's what the filmmaker is trying to say right. here. I don't that's know if right. it works, but I think that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what's being argued for. Mm -hmm. And again, I would say that the multiverse is allowing, is a way of allowing the chaos of unintended consequences, a thing that culturally we're very interested in now, right? Unintended consequences is like an unintended causality is a thing we're all obsessed with now. Like every moral mm. issue, for instance, that people get upset about on Twitter is a thing that's been spiraled out from causal things that people generally don't intend, you know, with exceptions. But in general, like you'll see a lot of causes that are about funding that comes from this and that was done by these people, like lots of chain of causality stuff that people don't intend. We're interested in that. And a multiverse allows us a way of sort of running a simulation of unintended causality and seeing what it means. But the problem yeah. with the, what it means is that there still has to be a storyteller organizing it for it to have meaning, which is why you feel like it's propaganda right. at the end. Well, th yeah, I kind of want to talk a little bit on that or like, yeah, I don't know. That discussion to me is very interesting because sure. it's not it's <clears throat> why I bring it up on the Run Lola Run episode is that like it actually is a great itemized like here's where our multiverse stories are parallel like our wish fulfillment stories that we've been telling ourselves for the last 20 years mm -hmm. like this is kind of the the itemized like what we can get wrong um because the determination of what is a good timeline only really follows like one rule we follow the struggle of the protagonist which is typically displayed as ethical or justified Either you save the cat and you make them likable, uh, or even the justification can be warped in a even more batshit loony world. Or they learn something. They grew in some right. way. And those problems are solved by stacking the deck against other scenarios that are equally plausible, or and in the case of multiverses or parallel realities, uh, absolutely just you know par for the course so we're operating on a kind of least harm done or necessary evil kind of mentality for the ending to be satisfying dramatically interesting correct to us. and correct. this is 
very much thrown into question if you pop outside the narrative, which I think the movie is kind of asking us to do because of the randomness of the events it displays in like the photo taking sections, like where we see, okay, and this is the rest of that person's life. Um, because then you just see these people as random people like Lola and Manny are just fucking equal to any the lady walking her baby in the stroller. And then you realize how like solipsistic our multiverse stories are. And that's what I mean by like propaganda, like stories are propaganda devices and they're fun because we unify behind a common like story heritage that we all share by watching it and we witness it together and we go, yeah, 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 that's our protagonist. That's the person who we're rooting for, but it doesn't change the fact that they're at the ethical designs of the movie can essentially sway the stimulus of our emotions and lead us down a very radical interpretation of quote, like how things should be. Uh, I don't, I think that this movie would actually be a lot better if they didn't succeed at the end or something like, like it's almost like saying multiverse stories. It's the one movie that could really say multiverse stories uh, kind of have no end they kind of have no satisfaction. And yet, the, and yet the endeavor of storytelling is antithetical is, to the thing that and you're a, saying. Exactly. So you know? it's a not good movie. Right. That's yeah, the problem. I get it. I get it. But that's that. And that's therein is the paradox, like the paradox of the multiverse. Uh, you guys are forgetting at the beginning. There's two quotes. Uh, yeah. They remind me of my scrote. Oh, uh, I feel like the Elliot is there to be undermined. By the second quote, the Furberger, that I'm going to reread the line, <laughs> after the game is before the game. Oh, that means everything's a game and it's all the same. P, Q, R. The uh, fact that it's chaotic is the point you can't learn. The Elliot quotes bullshit. When you die, you always return. It's an exercise in nihilistic, pure form. And that's and why burn. my dick is like a a warm, w o r m warm. Oh, warm, warm. I really oh, think you're confusing it for like it's like you're watching Starship Troopers and taking it seriously. This movie is about crafting amazing visuals. My dick nods at you imperiously. Please, I see the rest of my time. <laughs> I, hey. I appreciate. I appreciate He's so polite that <laughs> argument. Uh, I don't agree with you. Uh, I do appreciate. I think he's that. lobbing it at me. Uh, if honestly, no, no, I, he's he's rightly both. saying that both of us are trying to construct. It's seen as an art film. It's seen as something that's conveying meaning more than you know. Yeah, like, I don't think it's uh, an absurdist comedy movie. the way that you're arguing that it is, Mike. Uh, my Andrew or Mike Dice. I I just don't. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I think that's a very dice, selective man. interpretation of all the things that exist in this film. Uh, by like I don't think the both quotes are. I do think the quotes are interacting, but I don't think one matters and the other doesn't. You know, um, just like well, I don't he think was the saying he did say one that. is. He was saying one is kind of a barometer undermines the other, so they're related in that they have in that one is there's the a trumping thought, and the other one has been undermined by it. And I'm saying, well, that's not true. Or I'm just saying I don't agree with that. Yeah, you know, I don't know. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, I just want to. I, I just. Yeah. I guess I'm going to come back to you, and I like this is the only time I'm going to make this point. And Abe, roll your eyes all you want. You can roll them audibly mm -hmm. if you want. Give them. Give the em. problem with the 
the idea of saying this as propaganda, calling this propaganda, which it is. It's, but it's only propaganda if there is no cosmic story. If that's true about the universe, then this is propaganda because it's claiming that there is. But so is all stories. Like, so are yes. all stories. And I think that it's difficult to make meaning out of the act of storytelling in that universe that you're positing. And I don't want to get into all that too much, but no, I just no, I'm not that positing that. I absolutely agree with what you just okay, said. Okay, all, right. all, all, all art is propaganda. Um, the it, I in it, not in a derogatory term. First off, it's not derogatory to just have a thesis and make a statement. That's the aspect of propaganda I wish to like point out. I see. Also. You can't make movies without being propaganda to some point. You can make like non-thesis movies or movies that just ask questions, I guess. Uh, but it's not dramatically interesting. So I'm not proposing or positing that we should do this with the movie. I'm just saying this is a great example of how the paradox of story multiverse stories and multiverse, that we right. seem to be falling in love with really show how writers can just kind of suddenly go and the there's a cat that they save and right. so we know it's and, the good one. And she has a, power, a scream that alters the course of time. Right. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and so, it, why? Because we need it or it's not a story. <laughs> but know? getting back to your cosmic question, I think yeah. that that gets in the way of the cosmic question because then it's like, well, what are you saying? Like, what to me... Like, I guess I, it's more of a question to you uh -huh. or to you, Dice Man. Uh, what, what, it, what is the answer there? What are they trying to say there? I think that they're following the, I think they're following the impulse to make the story cohesive and narratively satisfying. And in so doing, mm -hmm. undermining the idea that everyone is just chaotically and randomly bumping into each other without purpose or cause yeah. or, or intelligibility. I think the act of storytelling itself is antithetical to that premise about reality and that from that you can make all kinds of deductions. And, you know, if, mm -hmm. you want to, if we were making a philosophy podcast, this is where the G word starts getting thrown around, but we're not. So I'm just going to leave it at that. The multiverse is trying to reconcile. And what's the G things. word dice, man? <laughs> G spot. That's right. There it is. Oh, uh, oh. did you want to answer that dice? No, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I'm just here for the G spot. That, yeah. yeah, no, that that makes sense to me. Yeah, and I, that, I'm just pointing it out because it was, I like the, actually the other interesting thing about the third time around is that it's the first time she feels hopeful about, and by feels I mean chooses hope as the primary modus operandi for what this run is about, and mm -hmm. like she makes acts, and I'm going to use this term. I know this is a reading, so I'm not saying this is what the film means. I'm just using terms that have loaded meaning to point this out. She uses faithful choices, right? Meaning that she risks this time things without trying to exert control on reality she doesn't have, which is what all the weapons stuff in this movie is. It's why I really like it for a commentary on gun violence. Every time somebody takes a gun in this film, they're trying to control reality, and it always blows up in their face. It's great. Yeah. It always blows up in their face. And I think that more movies should should be should thinking say, about that. Go to just go down the stream. I mean, that is kind of what we like when getting back to our Doctor Strange in the uh, Multiverse of Madness uh episode, we were like talking about that exact thing, you know, like how 
almost all of these movies kind of culminate in the just be like water, just f- go with the flow, baby. Right. Um, because the world is too chaotic and complex that all your machinations are going to sp- get spit back into your face. Um, but so if you just kind of believe in providence and have faith that you're going to succeed or scream at a casino, uh, you're gonna win. I also love that she screams I mean, that's right. at a roulette ball and makes it turn from red to black. Yeah, when you scream at yeah. my balls, they just sit in my sack. Hey, hey! I love that this movie is like saying gambling. I think this movie has one cosmic truth: gambling is the answer. Everybody uh, just gamble away, and your I, problems I, I will be solved. it. Oh man! Oh no, no! Real please, quick. Dice. Please, something, Dice man. Something, my dick. Uh, yeah. Viewing it formally as I do. I have a slightly different take than you two, which is, uh, I think it's an attempt to stitch something together where you do the normal three act structure, but each one's a separate story. I, that one will just have to let go. No rhyme. Um, in the sense that (laughs) it's also like a mini microcosm of a franchise. If, uh, you're if, my memory of the Star Wars OG trilogies, anything like you guys. Uh, I think each act sort of maps to one of those movies, or at least that arc that we see so often now in blockbusters that we treat it with snark. Oh, my dick, my dick. Uh, <laughs> so if you know what I mean, it's just the one, two, three beats that we're used to. So of course it has to go middle one, sad, end one, good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm so I, tired. I do. My I, life is nothing but pain. Please, when you leave this dimension, put a bullet in my brain. Oh! I I also I also I entertained that idea, like that. Like maybe this is just three stories, and they don't actually interact too much. Uh, but she does retain the the slightest emotional understanding from the previous one, and there's one tip off for that that i because i was looking for it and that is that she remembers in the second one how to turn the safety off on the gun yeah but that's the only one she's surprised every time her dad's fucking around yeah yeah she doesn't retain everything it's not butterfly effect in that she doesn't retain all the memories of the previous run download or like mcfly yeah it lives in the ground oh (laughs) but she does retain a sense of, like it's almost like she knows remembers the feelings of what just happened and sort of is respond like starts off again from with those feelings um but i couldn't i can't do a really strong proof for that other than the gun thing that's the only one that's the one thing i noticed that said they're yeah. they're they are linked as one story which to me just means they're kind of there's an inconsistency there but yeah i see i think honestly more than anything just the f- uh, formal aspects of the movie make me go this is all one story you know it's just right we're 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 not supposed to believe these are simultaneous uh, events that happen it's something that is corrected i love how um, the end of the unhoused guys arc is yeah. like the dog at the end of that simpsons he gets a gun and just looks shifty eyed <laughs> yeah he's like hey, uh, i got the gun you could have fun with my dick stiffy wise <laughs> this oh. comes off as like that whole set section comes off as like humans will respect each other, which I don't know if I necessarily believe when like a hundred K is on the line. I couldn't believe this is the way that part of the story resolved. That, that was bizarre. Like, and this is 1998 
like money, which is like seven billion dollars. I don't know how much money it I, really is. I gotta but, ask you guys because craft-wise, I obviously like a lot of the shit they pulled off, but I thought the soundtrack sucks. Did you guys like the soundtrack? If you do, you, you are cucks. Oh, <laughs> you don't enjoy the power of techno. <laughs> Techno. 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 You could catch me here it. all week. You could pay money to hear more of this. <laughs> more of this. This is what you want. If I you know what it is. I didn't mind. Uh, I didn't mind the driving house music. It was a hundred percent of its time. Like mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it's actually the most dated thing about the film now. I would say, uh, mm -hmm. but I didn't created like, I uh, and played by the writer director. And when oh. I listened, I was not a wreck, <laughs> yeah. sir. Hey. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. The, so the whole, the whole thing, to me, the whole movie functions on one principle, which is, you know how there's that word that, like, that dictionary that makes up words uh, said sonder? I think that's a pretty mimetic term now. Everyone knows what sonder is. Yeah. Mm. If, but if you don't, it means like everybody you the the moment that you're walking around and you let's say you're uh, on a sidewalk in a city and you look out out and you see a bunch of people and you're like, oh, shit, I have the realization just right now that every other person is having like an infinitely complex life that I do uh, that realization they gave the name to Sonder. That's what this movie is to me. This movie is just like. And did you know that Sonder exists? Here's a little of that. And here's a little of that. And we go like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And that's why the movie's successful. That's the style of the movie, one could say, is that it goes for that device. And it's an, a little experiment. I like that. Uh, but it's not like a consistent movie. Uh, that's why I think it should what be. What do you mean by consistent? You mean that it, it doesn't, There's, is it the, par the paradox we've been talking about? Is that what you mean by consistent? It's. I mean, that's one, but it's also like the rules are weird. Like what what kicks off right. the uh, right. jump back to time? Like you mentioned, the one with the gun. How come sh she doesn't remember other things? There's so many inconsistencies just to make this streamlined to the concept that like, what if you could go back and like sliding doors this? I would say uh, I would say the movie is actually very consistent in that it never gives you clear causality for anything. That right. And like that's right. but I just I think, think it's narratively unsatisfying. Statement. I think that's like, well, I, I want yeah. I want to know when this ball hit that ball on the table. You know, like yes. we don't know that. Yes. And we don't know that right. and we just yeah. So that's life. That's life is narratively unsatisfying. Stories that try to encapsulate that I find gratifying. I would you see and that's <laughs> where you and I part company. Uh, because I, I don't think, I think the act of storytelling tells you that, that that isn't true. Mostly, but you can do a lot of different things in any medium. My dick's ghostly. <laughs> I mean, you're both right. You're both right. Everybody's right. Uh, I think that we've gotten to a point now with our multiverse stories where we couldn't like come out with like this, right? Like this is too basic, right? Um, I think it would like have to be. To in, we'd have to iterate put it in on another it. story. We'd have to iterate on yeah. it. I, I don't think it's now a creative thing to point out the erosive right. nature of causal reasoning in a film. Like I, I think we're now at a point where unintended causality is more interesting to us than like people's choices equal this outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, and like for instance, I think a great a great like 
flag on this topic that people should go back to conversationally for a while is The Good Place. The Good Place was a great show for exploring how moral choices are now being judged through the lens of a bunch of unintended consequences. And if you do that, nobody's good. Like there is no good person right. uh, or yes. a good place for people in contemporary society because of unintended causality. So like run Lola run is a sort of like a preliminary dot on the media journey toward that conclusion. Um, I don't think you can go back to the beginning and say, isn't this cool? I think you got to start from the good place now. Yeah. I think it has to be wrapped up in like a completely additional form like a more complex narrative or a genre or a wider story yeah if um, only the good place were funny my dick's like <laughs> lola it's runny oh Ew. your dick's runny it's not amazing i'm with you on that uh can i do one last reading that's not related to anything that we've talked about so far yeah no stay yeah. on task like the rest of us have oh <laughs> <laughs> this is on task i don't take instructions from men who preach at me in soliloquy sir uh yeah, do not listen to this i'm not gonna <laughs> so i do think that this movie has some interesting unintended gender commentary uh, specifically, like, I think if you look at Lola's relationship to all the males in her life, that once the movie is sort of making an argument for, uh, and I think unintentionally, the sort of, uh, toxic, uh, the toxic consequences of male choices on women, um, like for instance, mm -hmm. the movie starts every single sequence with, or all these runs with her mother, who's also having an affair, right? Like that's the yeah. first thing we learn. Her mother's having an affair, but that choice, her choice doesn't actually change anything about the world, right? It's only her father's right. choice and her boyfriend's choices that actually form the sort of two tent poles she's running between this whole movie. She's at the mercy and of those two men. That's oh fuck. And then we see in terms of like people that we see that aren't men, it's nuns and it's mothers. Yep. Pretty much yeah, exclusively. Fuck. You know? Nice find. Yeah. yeah. I think and I also think if you looked into like even her relationship with the uh the bank guard, you know, uh who she ends up being a sort of salvific figure for, he treats her in this sort of objectifying way. And then she ends up being this object of, I guess you, I, a sort of a Madonna horror version, like a little bit, like if you just take the sentiment of those two interactions, she treats him in this sort of horrorish way. And that's, I know very strong language, but like in an objective way, objectifying way, that's how I took it uh, throughout the film. But then at the end, when he's in the hot, in the ambulance, she is the Madonna. She is a healing agent for him. Yeah. You know, um, so there was just sort of, and I, I don't think it was simplistic kind of, yeah, no, I think it's just a product of the thought, uh, behind that ideology in 1998. This discussion really makes me want to cover the film enemy. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, Ooh, that one's fucked up. Like a spider. You got a friend in a sea the enemy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm helping. Oh, yeah. Shaped like a <laughs> sea anemone. No, right. oh, no. <laughs> I'm helping him now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 you are. Yeah, and I don't know why. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> I don't either. But yeah, uh, but yeah, that's it. That, I, I think that that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty cool catch. Um, 
it's weird to me that this movie has that. And I know before, you know, Dice Swain comes in and he's like, stop, just treat it like Scott Pilgrim again. Yo, don't preempt me. My dick's like uh, something that fucks you gently. That's, Go. This movie doesn't really earn that to me. I don't know. It's like it feels like also here's this observation or here's this thought. Very cool. Oh no, I and I, um, I actually think that's the value like, of that's the value of literary criticism anyway, is to is extracting the other meanings that are implied by uh by a, an artist's work. I don't think they're useful as the primary understanding of what the film's about. It's just also it's yeah, like, yeah I mean there's a little bit of a little bit of that. And I'm sure there's yeah. lots of college professors everywhere who could bury me with arguments for why those things are the primary meaning, but I don't why agree. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, yeah, it's all, and everyone picks it. But, yeah. like, uh, either way, I respect the runtime. I really do believe that experimental films shouldn't try to be more than, like, one thing. They are an experiment. That's it. So get out the cinematic device you wish to convey, play with it a bit, and then it's kind of over. It's not, it it's not even not. that experimental. I mean, people are calling it experimental for the time, and it's like, okay, because it's, it's got a little bit of like jump cuttiness, and it's you know not a traditional one narrative over th – like it's broken into three parts. Yeah. But like all the pieces are identifiably mainstream at this point in time. That's you know? yeah. That's the thing is that that's why I keep coming back to the propaganda device or machine is that it's just like they kind of had to just put a button on yeah. it and that's fine. I'm not yeah. saying again. I like this movie as like what it is, which is like a stylistic approach to a cinematic concept, and it does it very well. And it birthed a lot of you know mimicry from everyone because it was cool. It's very cool um, because it's uh. It's very much it's insular in its presentation in a way that mm. feels like, oh, this is born from a culture I'm not connected to exactly. Like it definitely yeah. feels like of a time and space that if you're an American audience, you don't really see a lot in 1998. You right. know, um, also, I think the director made some great color choices that all that m you could use as meaning, like, you know, the way he uses red in particular. Uh, super European. Yeah, it is. Concept, uh, concept her hair felt like our like, character is yellow yeah, yeah, yeah. or red. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know enough. I haven't researched enough to like draw the actual connections to it. So mm -hmm. I'll just say mm -hmm. that I do think the filmmaker is telling is a conventional storyteller, even in this format. Like I would call Memento more experimental than this, and that's I think the same uh -huh. year or a year later. You yeah, know? I would say it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, there's some icons of multiverse and parallel realities that are starting to form as we're doing this series, which is you get a lot of broken mirrors or glass, and you get a lot of cartoons. That's <laughs> They love cartoons in things. the multiverse. I think it's cartoons is like a really quick way to be like, everything you thought it was, it's not. <laughs> you know, like that's... I don't, you know, it's, it's pretty yeah, dumb, or like but it's complete kind of other rules of the universe, you know, like, cause yeah. you can understand yeah. a universe that's an animated one and how it would be different by just looking at it. Right. And obviously glass is great because it's a plane that 
technically stops stuff like invisible stuff like air, but keeps your vision so you can see through the threshold. And then you can also crack it or break it like a lot of uh, multiverse parallel reality movies have done. Hmm. Sliding doors is a you know kind of reference to that even itself. Um, we I almost picked just, I almost picked just, sliding doors. Um, a movie mm-hmm. I've never watched. I have a feeling I'm going to find it boring compared to this one and Butterfly Effect. Is Am I? Like, is that one we should do? Most definitely. It's got zero techno in it. <laughs> well, then fuck it. Uh, you know, I don't want to see and that. If I recall, Sliding Doors credits scroll from the bottom like normal movies. That's and right. in Run, Little yeah. Run, the credits roll from the it's top. It's really weird. So yeah, yeah. It's really weird. Basically, best movie ever, right? It's a pretty great movie. Uh, we haven't heard from Dice Man in a while, so I'm guessing that either he's got a soliloquy that's going to be a real banger or it's time <laughs> yeah, to move on. Dice Man? The okay. I think I we're supposed <laughs> to do it in the next segment, right? Okay, great, great. Yeah. Well, then let's do that. Let's uh, let's prepare for our, high like a kite. Okay, go. Let's prepare <laughs> for the final leg of our journey, uh, where we close the wormhole in which we decide: Do we want to live in the multiverse Period. of Run Lola Run? Do we want to close the wormhole behind us, or do we want to fuse Run Lola Run's multiverse with our own? Uh, I think Dice Man should go mm-hmm. first. Yeah, yeah, hit us with your. What do you got, thoughts? Dice Man? Yeah, with most of your points, I disagree, but I said my piece. My cock is like snot; it spreads disease. Oh, um, Light. I'm my name's flex. the Dice Man. I cometh like the Ice Man. Lola's got it pretty bad. Of all the characters, I like the dad. <laughs> Plus, we didn't mention they do a classic bid with the dudes carrying plate glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah, love Abe, that bit. I never yeah. knew you ate ass. Oh! Zing. You motherfucker! <laughs> I'm gonna kick him through. And ultimately, a the one uniting thing of the tree realities is Lola runs very fast. I'll bet that Adam is the asshole. Oh! <laughs> anyway, oh. I'd stay in their reality, bang Lola, and give Manny a handy! <laughs> I'm fun at parties. Hire me, please. No lower age limit. (laughs) Oh. Wow. Uh, And by the way, I'll eat ass. I'm not, that wasn't what was offensive to me by him saying that. It was more of just his general energy just coming at me. You didn't like the insult that it was implied, but you liked the act. Yeah, it felt like an insult. Yeah. But like, I was like, that's fine. Yeah, the act is fine, but the insult I just felt like I should say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's how you say stuff, Adam. It's right. not, it's like not what you the say. fact of eating ass. It's how you eat the ass that matters. It's, sure. Yeah. That's also So true. are you going to eat the ass matter. of this wormhole? <laughs> are uh, you doing that? No, I'm going to leave this world alone. Okay. I'm just going to close this loop. Okay. Uh, and just walk away slowly and be like, thank you for your... Thank you for your service, Run Lola Run. But ultimately, we got it from here. So... I mean, I guess like um, I like the idea of their of the purgatory vibe going on in this film where these two people learn from their mistakes and improve their lives in theory from multiple tries at this. Like that's the kind of basic premise for all these time loop movies. And it started with Groundhog Day where like through repetition, you finally learn the way it's supposed to go. But I think the movie's. Uh, frenetic causality means that actually understanding why things went well 
maybe is impossible. So then it's kind of a futile exercise. So I got to leave that behind. I like my class, my cosmic classroom to be a little bit clearer for me, you know, so that I can, I can mm-hmm. retain the things I learned from one moment to the next. So I'm closing the wormhole behind me and I'm leaving our rhyming friend Dice Clave behind. Oh, no, please. No. Humpty Dumpty sat on his balls. Oh, God damn. That's, <laughs> that's a, a good one. That is definitely, Man, I'm yeah, really definitely this. a joke. <laughs> He really did say, I yeah. think. <laughs> he probably Pretty did. sure Andrew Dice Clay probably made that Humpty joke. Dumpty sat on his balls. That sounds great. I want to the, order that whole special. I'm la- I am laughing so hard. Over laughing here. and loving over there. Uh, I'm loving it, Well, man. Abe, you know, we're going to roll the cosmic dice and hopefully get a mic that doesn't rhyme. Uh, yeah, you know, fine. That'll be good because it's been five straight. <laughs> So hopefully the sixth one yes. is the charm. Hey, it's a good thing that we uh, that we uh, actually uh, like don't have to see these bodies. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, we're yeah we're they're starting to pile up. Oh if yeah, we had a metaphorical room where we kept all of our assholes' bodies. Yeah, I got a there. <laughs> there is a swaim pile just eight feet high, just body mm-hmm. after body. All of them used to rhyme. That's that's all what's going on. Anyway, hey, curse mongers. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode and uh, our perennial struggle to finally get back to our home universe if such a place even exists uh mm-hmm. tune in next time for our uh next exploration who knows where we'll be or who the asshole will be uh mm-hmm. spoilers it will be mike um but uh if you enjoyed this content please uh, check out the other stuff on our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash small beans, where you can hear so many other cool podcasts, ones where we don't even rhyme our jokes. Uh, things about how we how directors use the their craft in low art films uh, called Director Peace Theater, things like that, things like mm-hmm. frame rate, uh, things like I, I believe we I've seen that rough stuff is back. Is that right, Abe? Rough, Rough stuff? stuff is back, Love it. baby. Yeah, so Sarah and Bridget they just back had in, an episode. Yeah, back and forth on effect. bathroom etiquette. Yeah, wonderful. And, uh, we got we got more we got more stuff in store for you uh, in the following weeks. As you mentioned, Director Peace Theater. We got an episode where I talk about Shrek Two. Yeah, you did. Uh, and and Adam has to listen. I did have. Uh, to. We got more episodes of I'll Show You Mine if you show me yours, uh, and that's Adam and Maggie's show. That's and right. then the return. Uh, in about two weeks of uh, Kings of King with Michael and I, Ooh, we're going to be covering great. Carrie. So get you know get on that. That'll be chill. Keepers on that, everybody. That'll be chill. Um, Dice yeah. Man, do you want to rhyme us out? <laughs> I think we killed him, so he's gone. Oh God. Oh God. I, now I'm looking. At oh him. God. See, <laughs> no, it's I'm looking horrifying at him. now. I've never now looked at the bodies before. This is a yeah. horrible thing we're doing. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God.